0: So we're we're largely interested in sort of if elected like how you would interact with um, you know Hyde Park and the university and sort of like all of the stuff going on here and what your plans are to like um, just I guess maintain and maybe change that relationship. Um, So I mean just first of all just very broadly like how do you conceive of the relationship between the 20th ward and like Hyde Park and the 20th ward and the university.
1: so yeah. I, I view the university as a major stakeholder um, and institution. It, it's not a major. It's the major institution um, in the 20th Ward. I uh, was also born at the University of Chicago Hospital, um, still receive all of my medical care there. So, um, And I'm very proud of the trauma center that's here. So there's examples of the university being um, – great neighbors with the surrounding community, then there's other examples of being not-so-great neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically have loved the stances that the students have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the piece, uh, the petition that was started recently um, in support of a community benefits agreement. I think the students are typically getting it right. I think the university's administration is a little hesitant to move in that direction, um, but I think the community, along with the students, um, can can kind of hold the university's uh, feet to the fire, the administration, and, and make sure that that we're a service sort of a moral compass um, to keep the university, which is such a huge stakeholder um, in the community, to, to keep the university on track um, and not displacing people. So I'm interested in working with the university um, where there's instances where the is not acting in the best interest of the community or the best interest of the students. Uh, I, I can guarantee you that I'm, I'm not afraid to Uh, go against the administration. I come from a background where I frequently went against the administration. I'm not that far removed from college myself. Mm -hmm. I frequently went against the administration, um, but I think that it ended, it it created a better relationship. Um, An example of that is that at at my university particularly, we didn't have a really good relationship with the community. Mm -hmm. Um, So I fought the university to open our libraries uh, to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's open our libraries. Let's Let's open our gym facilities up to the community um, and kind of foster that environment. And what we found was within the surrounding community, some of the areas were rough around our campus. But once we started to open up our campus, um, even in a a, a secure manner where we had campus police uh, presence there, we were able to foster better relationships with the community. So when students would leave off campus, uh, crime actually went down. They were a lot safer because they knew the people who would typically have an issue with the students. Um, So I believe in holding the university accountable, but I also believe there's instances that the university has been extremely helpful. Uh, For instance, Mm -hmm. with the trauma center, very proud that we have this trauma center here, but there have been a lot of resident complaints about um, the way the staff has treated uh, gunshot victims at the trauma center. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, if a a grieving family comes in, the the, hospital will immediately call the police if they get a little bit too riled up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to make sure that we're practicing restorative justice. want to make sure that we're dealing with victims and their families in a respectful manner. So it's, you, you, you see the dichotomy I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like It's great that we have the trauma center, but let's make sure we treat, we're treating victims with respect mm-hmm. uh, and not immediately calling the police on them just because they're grieving and, and could be a little loud. Uh, they just lost a loved
0: one. Um, speaking of the Trauma Center, I'm curious if you were at all involved in like the activism to get the university to start the Trauma Center?
1: was in college. Oh, I would. Sure. I, I, a lot of my answers are going to be like I just wasn't here mm-hmm. because I was either in high school or away in D.C. in college and mm-hmm. fighting similar fights, um, I just wasn't here for that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was not involved with the fight for the Trauma Center um, unless you count social media and being a, a supporter from afar. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was during the time where I was in school.
2: Mm -hmm. So given that, that you've spent a fair amount of time away from the ward in recent years, what do you think makes you uh, able
1: to really take the pulse (coughs) of the community and be a good representative? So I don't think I spent a lot of time away. Um, So I I spent most of my summers interning here in Chicago. Um, I'm also the only candidate who has actual City Hall experience. Uh, I, I left Chicago. I had a full-ride scholarship to Michigan. I was going to study aviation. Uh, That was my goal. I lost two friends this summer. I graduated from high school, which is why I switched course and wanted to go to school in DC to study politics and government in the nation's capital. Um, I never lost my rooting in the community. Both my parents, my father my grandfather, both precinct captains in the community. Um, I have the best pulse uh, of what the community needs because I'm still rooted in the community. I'm the only candidate who can say I turned in 110 petition sheets, 20 lines per sheet, 106 of those sheets were circulated by 20th Ward residents. There's no other candidate that can say he works with me, he's a 20th Ward resident. My staff is of the community. Um, another UChicago student, Daniel Green, he's an intern on my campaign. I believe that the only way for the community to move forward is if we're using the community to canvass, we're using the community to provide input. And pro- and you guys state the platform. My platform is informed uh, by the community. So I think that's what makes me the best candidate is that I'm very rooted, um, even if you look at my events. So I have the same credentials, if not more credentials, than most of my opponents. Um, but I, I make it a point to remove myself from the political inner circles, not because those guys aren't my friends and I don't want to hang out with them, but because a lot of times we get caught up in these, these inner circles where we're just debating each other. When in reality, the community doesn't know what a CBA is right now. We're all debating the CBA. But if you go into Inglewood, they're like, what is that? And how does it help us? So we have to be out informing the community. If you look at the events that I have, it's stuffed with community members. I launched my campaign. I had over 300 people come to my kickoff. More than 80% of those are community members and friends from college. Uh, Those were the only people who were there. so I, I surround myself with, uh, with, with community members and that's who's fueling my campaign. My entire staff, every single person except for one consultant um, is a resident of the 20th Ward. And it's different when people are circulating for you can also sign a petition to nominate you. They're, they're a little more interested, they're a little more invested than someone who may come out and never come back to the ward. They just worked your campaign and they're going forever
3: just to shift gears a little bit and move sort of to the city level um for this particular question um as you already know and one of the biggest issues in, in the city of chicago that, that the city of chicago is facing right now mm-hmm. is this pension crisis yep. uh can you sort of describe what preso- proposals you have in mind to help address um such a large uh,
1: issue absolutely um so i fully support uh the legalization and taxation of marijuana uh first i also support a city-owned casino um within reason. So I do like the idea of putting it in the secure area of airports um, and maybe in a part of the city that doesn't have as high a crime rate. Uh, So I do also support a casino. But the biggest way to uh, close that shortfall is to get rid of the waste fraud and abuse. Um, Chicago is notorious for that. And if you look at the way, um, so I I was a fellow in the mayor's office. And when he was going up for a second term, the city was crying broke. The mayor's ready for re-election. All of a sudden, boom, he finds a billion dollars to invest in early childhood education. Same thing with the police academy. The city is crying broke. The mayor needs, to, he's getting pressure from his consent decree, he's getting pressure from all angles from the FOP. He finds $95 million literally pieced together from different parts of the budget and different initiatives, pulls together this $95 million to buy this land. Um, for, to build a new police academy. So the money's there, we're just not spending it properly. So I do support those two proposals. Um, one thing I do not support at all is raising property taxes. Um, I do not support amending the Illinois Constitution. I don't support anything that's putting more pressure on uh, ordinary residents, uh, middle to lower class residents. Uh, the city of Chicago has been doing that for years. We're the only city, if you look at the top ten population, cities population wise, We're the only city in the top ten that has a wheel tax. We're the only city that pays for city stickers. New York doesn't have it. Seattle doesn't have it. Boston, L.A. These cities are bigger than ours for New York and L.A., and they don't have a wheel tax. But it's become so commonplace that we're just used to it. We're just used to it. Um, So those are proposals that I I do support, but I think we really need to uh, hone in on the leadership at the finance committee and figure out, oh, last thing that's probably the biggest thing, Every uh, dollar we send to Springfield, we get 83 cents back. We need to work with our state legislators to close that gap. There are certain cities um, downstate that for every dollar they send to Springfield, they get three back. It's the same thing with Congress. For every dollar we send to Congress, we get less than a dollar back. We need to close those gaps. Um, I think all of those put together, we'd be able to tackle the pension crisis.
3: Just a couple of follow-ups. So on the topic of property taxes, there's like this nascent proposal to have universities pay property taxes. Um, Particularly private universities um, that are exempt from property taxes at the moment. Mm-hmm. So the university owns a lot of land, and so they pay a lot yep. of taxes. Would you support a property tax proposal that includes
1: the university? Um, if or it's re- if it's reasonable, okay. if it's reasonable. So it's it's a very uh, give and take, uh, pull and tug relationship with with different universities, especially private universities, because we ha- we have to be honest, like. No, the University of Chicago is not a public university, right? Yeah. But if we were to disappear, if we were to take the University of Chicago and wipe it away right now, where are we going to get our health care? Where are we going to get our research on Chicago crime? It's so many things that the University of Chicago is providing to the city of Chicago that residents don't even realize. Most of the the, the gang, not gang, uh, definitely want to talk about the gang database. Most of the, uh, the statistics that CPD uses comes from right here from this campus. Uh-huh. So providing a valuable... Uh, it's a valuable resource to the city of Chicago, so if it's if it's within reason, yes. But I, I do not support. Um, again, this this the universe. This issue didn't come about by the University of Chicago. It did come about uh, ordinary residents. It came about because of thirty and crooked politicians who were stealing money and not listening to residents in the first place um, and kicking the can down the road. So to then try to balance the budget wholly on residents and and private entities, I think is wrong. Rahm did that when he first took office. He the city had all these water issues. His first thing was okay, cool. Churches, and nonprofits don't pay water bills. He attempted to start charging them uh, water bills. That's ridiculous. Churches are an institution in our community. A lot of times they're providing city services and mental health resources and warming centers that the city is not providing. So now you want to charge them for water. So uh, if it's within reason, yes. But I, it's not something. It's not. It's not. Options one through five. If we have to get down to like seven or eight, it's like okay, we can consider it.
3: So on your pension plan, you mentioned sort of like these various sources of revenue, whether it's like you know, bring like you know, reducing, um, I guess, crooked behavior and crooked spending, as well as um, increasing, well, implementing a marijuana tax and legalizing marijuana. Yep. Um, but do you also support? Some experts believe that in order to actually address the pension crisis, you also have to cut back on pensions. Um, do you support such such a move? Absolutely not. Okay.
1: In, in no way, shape, form, or fashion. When they started those jobs, they worked for those pensions that was agreed to. Mm-hmm. Own up to your obligations, fulfill your pension obligations. The city of Chicago cannot start going back on its word. Again, this problem was not created by, by greedy carpenters. It wasn't created by, by greedy policemen who were doing their job. It was created by the, the dailies. It was created by these, these ruling families uh, who, who've done this for years by selling parking meters. Um, so no, I, I don't think you, you don't get to ruin everything and then look at common people and say, you got to fix this. Um,
0: so I think turning back, uh, you mentioned the CBA and you said that you are definitely in favor of one. Is that Absolutely. Correct?
1: Um. Even further than what's already proposed. Um, okay, I, I've, I've, studied, uh, CBAs extensively. Mm-hmm. So the first known CBA. Um, with a university was Columbia and Harlem, mm-hmm. right? I think it was like 96 or 98. I could be wrong. It was about 20 years ago. Um, they set aside like 10 million, and please don't quote me specifically on these numbers, but it was yeah, a high yeah. number yeah. for affordable housing. To date, it's only been like 100,000 that has been spent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the re- that's why I'm like, Barack Obama saying publicly that he's going to adhere to this does not move me. I'm not phased by that. It's not enough. Uh, even getting something in writing is not enough. We need an ordinance. It needs to go through the city council, and then I'm also proposing that we uh, have an independent uh, advocate or someone uh, who is in charge of just ensuring that all sides are adhering to the CBA. So that's the community, that's the university, that's the uh, the OPC, and that's the City of Chicago. That all stakeholders are actually adhering to it. Because if you look at the history of CBAs, when you don't have something that goes through a city council or a state legislature, mm-hmm. um, the community claps and gets happy because they pass a CBA and we got it in writing, but then they don't follow up. And right now, there's no way to go back and, and sue Columbia for not spending the $10 million for Columbia. I mean, for um, affordable housing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like that whole generation of people who would have fought are now either old or have moved out of Harlem, uh, and Harlem has extremely gentrified since then. They're even talking about renaming parts of Harlem, um, and that started with expansion from Columbia University. So I'm
0: curious then um, how you would... Like, what are the first steps to making that actually happen? Because, you know, both the OPC and the university have been pretty staunch. That they're not interested in even signing an informal agreement, much less a formal one. So how would you make that happen?
1: So I believe wholeheartedly uh, in building coalitions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things that I did at my time at Howard. Um, just to give you a quick example, the, the janitorial staff was being privatized. Um, they were getting their butts kicked, they were losing. The university was like, we're turning it over to this company and you got to deal with that. Whatever contract negotiations y'all have with them is between y'all, mm-hmm. right? I realized that, okay, cool, the, 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 the SEIU workers and the janitorial staff alone are losing this badly. What if we got all of the students behind the janitorial staff? The university's gonna hate that bad press, they're gonna be in the newspapers every other day, um, and their students, we're gonna start walking out of class. Within two months, we got that situation rectified. So if it takes all of the university, you guys, this is your university. It's your university. The university exists because of you, to serve you. That's literally the, uh, the purpose of the university on top of research and other things. Um, so I believe in building coalitions. If it takes us coming to community, coming together with the students, um, and, and us applying pressure together, that's what we have to do. But by no means am I going to just accept I said I'm not going to do it, so it's not happening. And that's kind of the thing that happens in the city of Chicago. I mentioned it just now with the city stickers. People, Someone tells you that this is how it goes, and you just, okay, this, he said he's not going to budge, we'll just take it. But no other city lives like this. So if we want that CBA and the community comes together and the students rally behind us and we if we can get staff and faculty involved, we can get other stakeholders involved in this process, they're not going to have a choice. They're building this center for 10 bucks 99 years mm-hmm. again how can the city of chicago be broke mm-hmm. um it's our park land. It's, it's you guys university we're all stakeholders uh so i believe we fight until the to the very last minute um and that's whether i'm in office now we, we we have to make that uh very clear that you don't get to just tell us what you're not going to do uh president or not
3: so you mentioned in your platform online um that you want to help reopen mental health facilities uh, and expand expand mental health facilities. um, Can you sort of outline how exactly you would go about doing
1: that? Yes, so when Mayor Emanuel closed – see, right now a lot of people um, are talking about we don't have enough mental health resources. The reality is when Mayor Emanuel closed those mental health facilities in 2011, there weren't enough then. So he took an already uh, inadequate system and made it worse. Um, So we need to open those mental health facilities that we have already – but number two, we need wraparound services and CPS. So we need, I want all excess surplus TIF funds to be diverted to CPS for wraparound services. We need clinics in our schools. We need counselors in our, every 250 students, I believe we need at least one counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I mean by uh, expanding, is we need, we need wraparound services in our schools. When our veterans come back uh, from fighting in wars, they typically have access to counseling um, and help with PTSD. Five, six hundred murders every year. Imagine the families and the PTSD that they're struggling with, um, and and the people who survive those. They we need help, and those those people are going to our schools traumatized and perpetuating violence not because they're innately violent, um, but because they've had traumatic experience and they, they they're seeking help and they're lashing out in different ways. Uh, so that's what I mean when I say expanding uh, mental health facilities. I don't. know, Did I supposed answer? Yeah, yeah. That? They're,
3: okay, they're, cool. They're
0: um, I'm curious as well, especially thinking about um, gun violence in Chicago, um, what your position is on policing in the 20th Ward, and also specifically what your position is on the relationship between the CPD and the UCPD in the I get that ward. question
1: every time I come on this campus. Oh, OK, got to <laughs> know about the UCPD. Every, <laughs> every single time. Um, so I do support CPAC. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys familiar? Do I need to go into detail about it? No,
3: it no I uh, mean, you can if you want to. For listeners. Okay,
1: so yeah, it's a civilian uh, c- civilian police oversight. I believe uh, we have to democratize that process. So I believe each, um, each ward or community should have an elected representative on uh, the police oversight board. I believe that's the only way to restore trust between the community uh, and, and CPD. Um, a lot of the things that I say is very rooted in real life experiences. Again, I, I'm only running for office because I lost two of my closest friends who weren't gang members uh, who were on scholar, going to school on scholarships. Um, they were just regular people who ended up getting killed just by existing. Um, so it's an issue that's very near and dear to my heart, and I've dedicated my life to ending gun violence. But if you, think, you really have to think about the dynamics here, right? 17%, it's actually a little less than 17%, is the murder clearance rate in the city of Chicago. So you have Mayor Manuel, Superintendent Johnson. They're always on TV like, hey, there's a black code of silence. You guys don't talk to police. That's why we can't solve crimes. Let's unwrap that. I shoot him. You see me. I have a 17% chance of going to jail and an 83% chance to get away. You go tell on me for shooting him. I have an 83% chance of getting away. What do you think is going to happen to you
2: Hmm.
1: if you know I have over 80% chance of not being incarcerated or facing justice. You're gonna put your life at risk Mm -hmm. and your families. Therefore, it makes sense that the community doesn't wanna come forward and talk to police officers because more than likely they're gonna get away. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things Mayor Emanuel did was say that he was increasing the police force when in reality he just increased overtime. Um, But even on top of that, he decimated the detectives. So there's not enough detectives solving crime. There's more beat police out on the street but there's not enough detectives who are actually closing uh, closing these crimes. 67% L.A., uh, 73% in New York, 17% Chicago. Mm. That's that's ridiculous. I think the only way to restore that trust is to have civilian uh, police oversight. In regards to UCPD, um, I believe that we have to find a way uh, to get more oversight um, over the University of Chicago Police Force, and the reason – I say that is because right now, they're really only answer to the administration, and I believe that's dangerous. Um, We need to find a way that to have them at least be accountable to students, but now the community, because every building at the university buys expands the boundary Mm -hmm. even more. So they keep going further west, and then UCPD's uh, jurisdiction expands further west, um, and is encroaching on the community, and they have a right to police the community as well. So we need to have some type of council uh, made up of students, uh, faculty and staff, and community members uh, to have some type of control over UCPD as well. And even with the uh, the uh, unfortunate situation where um, I don't know if they killed, I know they shot someone who was mentally ill, right? Oh, the yes. student? Yes. Yeah, he's, Did he, he's, he's okay. Okay, yeah, he's, right. Even, even with situations like that, there's no way to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's not like a... An independent police board that they can go in front of. There's no. There's no. They are only. Uh, they only answer to the administration, and the administration is not elected. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I believe we need to have some type of council to uh, oversee the police department. Great. Great. Do you have question
2: Do you want
3: to ask? Ask the last question, or
2: uh, the last question uh, in
3: the document, or I, I can ask a question. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you're you're obviously young. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you are you 26? 25. 25 years old, um, so you have a very long career ahead of you. Um, do you plan, can you sort of tell us about your future political plans, whether you plan on staying as an alderman for a long time? Oh, absolutely or?
1: not. Well, one, I believe the term limits. Yeah. Um, two for the mayor, three max for alderman. That's yeah. an ideal situation. Um, I think being in office longer than that is a breeding ground for corruption. I also believe you need more than three terms to get done, what you need to get done, and you are not doing your job effectively. Um, so, no, and I, I don't have, like, the political system in Chicago sucks completely. Um, I'm not running for office because I, I think it's, it's a limelight position. It's something great. I want power. I'm running out of necessity. Uh, there was a need, and I realized that I was a person who could fill that void. Um, so I'm not looking past Alderman. I know a lot of people say that, and it's typically cliche, but my background is really in entrepreneurship. Um, I've sold business plans. I have my own business. I gave all that up to come and run uh, for office because I knew I, my community needed it. Um, so I don't have any, any, uh, and I mean this wholeheartedly, any political plans outside of this. Um, and the reason that I'm, that I'm even running is because there's no one in this race and there's no one who I've seen that can build bridges like I can. Um, you have candidates that are really well put together and polished, but they can't relate to ordinary citizens in the 20th Ward. They're not going to walk down a block that's, uh, that might be gang-infested, that might have people who are struggling with addiction. They're not going to have the ability, to, and I'm not saying they don't want to. I'm saying they don't have the ability to reach those people. Do um, you have people who are extremely, and like in this race, extremely relatable and can walk down those blocks to help people, but they can't read a budget. They can't actually propose legislation. They're just voting on legislation. Um, I'm a person who can seamlessly go in between those worlds. I, I, if you look on my resume, you'll see everything from White House, Congress, City Hall, uh, to f- fighting with fast food workers to raise the wage in D.C., to working with janitorial staff on campus, to going to Africa and uh, studying gender discrepancies over there. So I'm a person who can have the credentials and, and the education to talk to the, the highest of the highest of politicians and, and meet them at their level, if not higher, Um But then on the other end, I'm a person who can go out and reach out to people who may be game bangers like, hey, there's a better way that we can do this. Let's get you registered to vote. Uh, Let's get you civically engaged. Let's try to get you in a job training program. You know what I mean? I can reach out to people who may be struggling with addiction, who most people won't touch or go anywhere near. I have the community roots, and I can reach out to them. Um, If I found a candidate in this race or that I could support, that I thought could do those things, I would have stopped and supported them. But um it's kind of just reinforced that in this race, that there needs the 20th Ward has lost three consecutive aldermen. 54,000 residents, 23,000 registered voters, 6,900 vote. That's, that's not an accident. That's deliberate. People are not voting because they're tired of seeing their alderman go to jail. People are not voting because they're ignoring the whole side of the expressway. So right now, there's nine candidates in this race that are on the ballot. I'm the only candidate in the last 12 years to make the ballot – West of the Dan Ryan. Nicole lives like right on a uh, half a block away. So to her credit, I guess she's the second. But this is a Woodlawn ward, period. Mm-hmm. Woodlawn, all the other eight candidates are reside in Woodlawn, um, and, and they all are heavily based in Woodlawn, which is fine. I think Woodlawn is great. But what I'm saying is when you have concentrated power in one area for so long and the entire, a whole 50% of the ward has been ignored, that says something to me. People aren't voting on that side of the war because they've never seen someone from their community. Um, Young people don't vote, don't not vote because they don't want to. They don't have people that represent them. They don't have people that speak their language. They don't have anyone that can meet them where they're at, talk to them and not at them. Um, So that's why I'm in this race because I believe I can build those bridges. I believe I can be great at constituent services as well as uh, be great at drafting legislation. I believe I have a great voting record. Um, and I can bring the community together. And I'm not far removed. You, Chicago, is a huge stakeholder in this uh, in, the, in this community. And I believe that's the students. I don't believe it's the administration. I'm 25 years old. Um, not too far removed as a student myself. I, I know what it's like, and I'm I'm willing to work with students and stakeholders as well.
3: Yeah. So uh, just two more questions. unless you guys have more questions. Um, so uh, this one is a, I think a pretty simple uh, straightforward question. Um, Mayor Mayor Rahm, you mentioned technical colleges, Mayor Rahm Mm. uh, expressed interest in um, either building a technical college within Woodlawn, setting up a technical college, a two-year technical college within Woodlawn uh, or building it somewhere near Woodlawn. Uh, Would you continue to support that proposal if you were uh, an alderman?
1: Um, When you say technical, you mean like vocational?
3: Yeah, vocational. It's more like a community college, I would say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I don't now, I haven't, I have not, I'm not extremely familiar with this proposal, um, but I think the more vocational training that we can get, uh, the better, especially if we can get – one of the things that I'm, I'm big on is uh, re-entry. Um, if we can get our – the same way our community colleges partner with uh, high schools, we need to get them to partner with prisons who are having citizens return to our society who have to pay taxes. Let's get them some vocational training, um, get them certified so they can be workforce ready as well because it, it, it perpetuates a cycle of people getting out of prison, not being able to find work, and going back to a life of crime. Um, so I haven't looked specifically at that proposal, but it, it, I, I do support uh, more technical and vocational training. Uh,
3: and also the final question is, especially before the opening of Jewel Osco, um which is gonna happen in March, I believe? Sure, yeah. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, uh, large parts, well, a significant chunk of uh, Woodlawn and, and neighboring communities are classified by some as food deserts. Um, So how would you, as alderman, work to attract, uh, I guess, grocery stores and other um, high-value businesses to the local community?
1: So are we talking businesses or specifically grocery stores?
3: Grocery stores, but also some other retail businesses.
1: Right. So I believe you you work on improving the condition of the community first, and I think businesses come with that. Um, But one of the things I'm big on is farmer's markets. Uh, we have a lot of vacant lots in the 24 a lot of and, and, a, and a pretty dense population in Woodlawn um, is ripe to to bring some farmers markets into the area um, So I think that's the way for us to get uh, high, high, high quality produce um, into our community as well um, but as far as attracting uh, grocery stores, even if you look at the uh, whole Foods that Alderman Cochran brought to Inglewood, um, That was, people cheered that, and I I was happy for it. I I shopped there. Um, But at the same time, a lot of people in that community cannot afford Whole Foods, um, and Whole Foods has not necessarily been the best neighbor uh, to the surrounding community. So I'm big on attracting responsible businesses. If you don't have a history, that's the same thing with developers as well. If you don't have a history of being a responsible uh, developer, a responsible chain, uh, you're not willing to hire within the community, then I don't, Necessarily want to attract them. One of the things in, in Bronzeville, the Marianos has hired so many people from the community. Um, and now I don't, even if I have to drive a little out of the way, I'll make sure I go to that one because they're hiring within the community and they're investing in the community. So I want to make sure that we're bringing businesses and grocery stores to the area, but also make sure that they're uh, responsible businesses. So do
3: you think any like Sony?
1: um the affordable uh, aro affordable residence ordinance uh don't quote me on that either but i believe it's aro um that loophole that allows developers to pay a fee um for getting out of affordable housing requirements um we need to close that asap either you adhere to the affordable uh housing requirements or you don't break ground um and right now it's really another way for the mayor just to keep power because they pay into this fund that the mayor didn't have discretion over. They get away from, uh, get out of the affordable requirements and then when the mayor's running for re-election, he's like, here's an opportunity zone, two million dollars for your business. Um, and he, he passes them out to minority businesses as a, a campaign prop. Um, but people are suffering because there's not enough affordable housing. And I know you didn't ask this question. Rent control, we need it. Um, we need to lift the ban uh, on rent control. Uh, and definitely need a lot more affordable housing. And I'm advocating for a uh, housing advocate um, run through the aldermanic office. Uh, I believe students, especially grad students, have a lot of housing issues, um, affordability issues. Um, In Inglewood, there's the issue of uh, Norfolk Southern moving people out of their homes and illegal evictions. Um, It's really too big for one alderman to be able to focus on everything. Our alderman focuses on and housing. Therefore, we need a specific person who focuses on housing, illegal evictions, making lots of properties, uh, student housing issues. You, sh- you really need a person whose full time job is to deal with housing stuff.
2: So, speaking of rent control, many of your proposals for the district, like rent control, like marijuana legalization, would require legislation at the state level. Mm-hmm. How do you plan to work with the state legislature, and what will you do if they don't act on those things?
1: Um, so, it's, it's about building relationships. Um, which I already uh, have been building. So I've I worked I work closely with State Rep LaShawn Ford. Um, I've went down to Stateville Prison with uh, State Rep Christian Mitchell. Um, we have to – Chicago has probably the worst system, government system, that I've seen. Uh, and I've, I've worked in a few different systems of government. The aldermen don't communicate with the county commissioners. The county commissioners don't communicate with the state reps and vice versa. Um, our, we need to form a, a cohesive government where we're all working in tandem with each other. Um, So I've already built relationships with uh, different state reps. Um, Governor Pritzker has already said that he's on board to sign the bill. Um, I believe that that's going to sweep through the legislature. Um, One of the things that I'm very big on though is we need to put some type of provision in there that we give a certain percentage of those, uh, dispensaries to minorities, uh, because We've been disproportionately <coughs> incarcerated in Chicago for decades for marijuana offenses. And we also, uh, Kim Fox has already said that she's trying to expunge records, um, but it's about to be a billion-dollar industry in Chicago. Imagine being in prison and you serving time for a marijuana offense, something somebody's going to come set up a storefront and make a million dollars off in a year, and you sitting in prison for the same exact thing. Uh, we need to make sure that we're working with our state legislators to get them out of prison.
3: So just uh someone relatively fun, but um, on the topic of like the mayoral race, do you have a particular candidate that you support um, that you would like to see become mayor?
1: There's only two candidates in this race who I would vote for. Um, and Those candidates are Amara Inya and State Representative, Dr. Amara Inya and State Representative LaShawn Ford. Um, every other candidate has some sort of machine ties, and me, having been in the Chicago political system and seeing how it works, that stuff is not by accident. Um, it's really the machine fighting itself right now. It's, it's different parts of the machine fighting each other. Um, and those are the only two people who I think uh, are moving independent of the machine. Some people will say uh, Lori Lightfoot would be a, probably a third. Um, but, again, she wants us a part of the machine as well. So,
2: but you did work in Roman. No,
1: and I have been upset with people saying I'm an employee. I've never received a paycheck from the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Interning and being a fellow is very different than being an employee. The city of Chicago has never cut me a check. Um, I don't know how that – well, it came from the reader article. But um, I was a fellow. Uh, it was an internship, yeah. trying to gain experience, and now I've been labeled a city of Chicago employee. And I'm like, I never worked for ROM. I met ROM like Twice. Like at news conferences, um, yeah, I really that 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 kind of upset me when people like were labeling me as like, oh, former city hall employee. I'm like, it was a summer, and it was an internship that I never got. I didn't even get a bus card. So yeah, and and it was for me, (laughs) it was it was like, you know, you got to get that experience. Like I need to know how our government works before I can try to change it. Um, But yeah, never never worked at city hall. And
3: the second uh, fun question. Right
1: now, yeah. no, nah, it's, it's too early. It's too early. Everything's about to start coming out. Like, mm-hmm. you, you got to wait to see whose baggage is going to shake out, who, who's going to take the right stances. Um, it's going to be a lot of shifting right now. Um, I'm a Howard alum, so I naturally want to root for Kamala, but she has some problematic policies uh, that she has supported. But uh, I also like Senator Booker. Right now, I mean, those – oh, and Castro – um, yeah, we really need, to, we need them we need them to hash it out. Um, I don't think I, I supported Senator Sanders last time. Um, I don't know if I'll be supporting him this time. Um, just because I'm a strong believer in young leadership, and it's like you've done a great job of pushing the party to the left, you've done a great job of uh raising issues like like uh Medicare for all and single payer and all these different policy proposals that you really pushed to the forefront. Um, but it's like you can pass that off to somebody younger and they'll take it a lot further than you right now. Um, so, yeah, I probably won't be supporting Senator Sanders this time. Great. On that note,
2: what would you say to people who say that you are too young to be an effective elder
1: um, Those same people were just posting all type of memes celebrating Dr. King, and by the time he was my age, half of his work was already done. So it's very hypocritical for people to be out here like, Dr. King this, Dr. King that, and it's like, well, he was uh, almost pretty much done with his career by the time he was my age. And then I get that a lot at churches. And I'm like, eight years from now, Jesus will be dead. I'm serious, you know what I mean? He died you at 30- churches? Well, I, if, if it's like one person, I'm never going to say it to a congregation. I'm never going to say that to a congregation, but it's like, stop disparaging young people. You know, if you, if you take my age away you put my resume up with any candidate in this race, if you guys put our resumes up with just candidates, the only person who can probably come remotely close to me is Nicole, and that's because she's a little older and has a master's. But if you look at experience and, and resume and the stuff that I'm talking about, there's nobody more informed, no issues. Like, I don't, I don't come to debates with note cards. Um, it's, I've studied this stuff extensively because I care. Um, but if you, if you judge me on on my, my policy chops, if you judge me on my experience, I've checked every box. Um, I've worked at the Pentagon. Like, what, what more, if you're telling me that I'm too young, then you, you have to wipe out all young people because I've checked pretty much every box society says you have to check um, in order to be in these positions. And those same people are also like, I support Susanna Mendoza. I'm like, she ran at 27. Kevin Bailey ran at 26. They lost those races, but Tony Preckwinkle ran for the first time, well, no, never mind. She was older. But a lot of these people, you know, are, are national figures that are, are, are prominent. Um, everybody likes Sean Lewis. John Lewis, was a young activist, um, and and I really hate that. I, I like I, that's one of the things that I like despise the most. Like, do not try to put out the fire that young people have. Like, don't don't do that. Especially somebody who's put the work in. Um, if, if you can if you can beat me on any other grounds, by all means. But like, I can't control what the date I was born. Beat me on something I can control. Beat me on that I, I take dirty money. Beat me on the fact that. Like I don't know anything about policy. I don't have any experience. I'm not community rooted. You're gonna fault me for being born on a certain date. Like that's that's terrible.
0: Okay, so you did not work at City Hall, and you were old enough. <laughs> right, right. Old <laughs> right. I was a, I was an I was a <laughs> intern <a> intern <laughs> at City Hall. Gotcha. All right. Um, I think that does it for me. Yeah. Do You
2: guys have any other? I guess I have one more question. Um, both of the candidates you named as the supporting for mayor are you know sort of long shots. Um. Which is not a problem at all, but do you think you'll be able to effectively work with a mayor who does have machine ties if someone like that gets elected?
1: Absolutely, um, I'll be able to effectively work with them, but also effectively uh, hold, hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've I've met with, trying to, I've met with pretty much all of the mainstream candidates. I've met with like the cozar guy. Mm-hmm. Jerry Joyce. But the people who everybody talk about in the mayor's race, (laughs) I pretty much sat down with them with their camps. um, And we have a good working relationship, but I'm not endorsing in a mayor's race. People have asked me for help. They've asked me uh, to endorse their campaigns or to put their signs up in my campaign office. And I'm like, no, I want to make sure I remain completely independent of all candidates, even though Representative Ford is a friend of mine. Amara's campaign manager, Josh Gray, is one of my best friends. Um, I want to make sure that I'm remaining independent. Uh, that way I'm able to more effectively hold people accountable. Um, and I, all, Chicago's constitution was written to be a strong council weak mayor. Um, they flipped that by, you know, using different ward organizations. Uh, Old Man Daly decided he wanted to have elections in the coldest month of the year, um, whereas long-shot candidates wouldn't have a chance because you don't have the manpower to get people out in negative weather. Um but, yeah, I, I do think I'll be able to effectively work with them uh, but also ma- maintain my independence. I think that's the problem now. Uh, there's so much money in politics. Um, all of these rubber-stamp aldermen, some of them have different thoughts and different values, but it's literally known, like, hey, you go against Rahm, he's just going to fund your uh, opponent. And if he funds your opponent, you're not going to be able to, to win that race. Um, and it's happened a number of times. My, my, I've lived in the same uh, same few blocks, right? I used to be in a third ward. My father ran a, was a, a, a campaign worker for the opposition of uh, what's now Alderman Pat Dow. We got rezoned out of that ward, literally. Um, that was the type of thing that happened in Chicago. It's like, you make too much noise, look at Bob Fioretti. He was an the alderman. They like, they literally went around like his house <laughs> and cut him out of his ward to where he couldn't be an alderman anymore. Now he's just running for everything. <laughs> he's running for board president, he's running for mayor, like he's just gonna keep because they cut him out. Um, those are the type of things that happen in Chicago when you make too much noise. But at the same time, I think if we go about it in a way, um, if I go into it with the community behind me, which has been my goal, so I don't take money from developers, I don't take money from uh, from from businesses that have a, a contradictory uh, giving history in, in our community, um, my goal is if I were to be elected, I'd come in with so much support from the community that, like, we're able to push the envelope together. Like, you have to listen to me. And that's my thing with the CBA. You can't tell us no if the community and the students are together. There's literally nothing. You, we, it's too powerful. Um, and that's how, that's how movements get started um, and we get changed in this country. It's the same thing with the, the civil rights um, uh, fight. It's the same thing with the founding of this country. Literally, the same people who are saying you can't have it are the same people who are like, I'm a super patriot, and uh, that's contradictory. You realize that those are a bunch of small people who banded together to go against a the most powerful military in the world, and now you're telling people that you're, you're now in the seat of power, and you're now telling people that we can't have a CBA. You're now telling us that we can't have a livable wage. You're telling us that we all don't have a right to health care, but you have a right to keep— militarizing police. You have a right to keep over-incarcerating people. its If we can all, uh, maybe I'm an optimist, and and I'm okay with that, um, but I'm going to go out swinging on what I believe in. And if that, I think I got a good shot. It's like, hey, you know, and and the other good thing I tell people about my youth, most people who run for office that are older have to make certain decisions with families involved. Now, I want to have a family, I want to get married, but right now, I can take a risk on my community and say stuff that needs to be said that no one else will say, and it's like the political blowback falls all on me. Whereas if I had a wife, if I had kids, if I had like a a, a 20-year career, I'm like, dude, I'm not about to say that. I'm not risking my career for you. I'm not about to not be able to feed my family for you. Right now, I'm free to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done, um, knowing that the consequences only blow back on me. Um, And that's the beauty of being young.